Hey, what's going on? I'm Jeremy Lee, and you are listening to episode 13 of Reading the Play, the show where athletes share their story and experiences about life and sports. Additionally, we'll break down some key decisions they made so you can get a better understanding of their journey and where they are today. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you can hear other great stories by athletes, and you can also find them on sportcalgary.ca. For more content, follow the Facebook page Reading the Play, and to get the latest news, including new episode releases, follow on Instagram at Reading the Play or myself at Legacy. In this episode, Calgary Inferno forward Dakota Woodworth chats about her minor hockey experience in Massachusetts and also choosing to pursue hockey while growing up amongst a handful of professional skiers in her household. She's made a couple big moves in her hockey career and hearing Coda's story reminds me of this quote. We can't be afraid of change. You may feel very secure in the pond that you are in, but if you never venture out, you will never know that there is such a thing as an ocean or a sea. Holding on to something that is good for you now may be the very reason why you don't have something better. Dakota chose growth over comfort for her hockey career and it has really paid off. Well, it looks like Coda's all warmed up on the hot seat. Let's get it. Dakota Woodworth paying a visit to Story Island today as she drops by the native of Carlisle, Massachusetts in the house. Great to have you on the show. How are you enjoying this Canadian winter? Um, it's definitely starting earlier than I thought it would. <laughs> Last year when I got out here, it snowed, I think like October 1st, but it was not like the snow earlier this month. And so when the big heavy snow came this month, I was like, oh man, like it's really, that's a real thing. Like I thought last year was just like crazy, crazy Calgary winter, but it's just how it is out here. (laughs) I was going to tell you, I actually spent a portion of my summer back in the day out in Boston. Oh, nice. So I've had my experience Mm -hmm. riding the red line on the T. Nightmare. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That is a joke. The... I used to take that to work back in Boston. It was like, you just, I was just late every day. <laughs> yeah, my dad was living in Quincy at the time. Oh, nice. But that's far out there. Mm-hmm. That's near, near the end of the line yeah. at Braintree, if it still is. Yeah, it still is. Yep, it's out there. It was awesome. I loved it, though. Yeah, Boston's pretty fun. In the summer, it's like pretty amazing. I've had the chance to do Boston in the summer and the winter. Yeah, you got to go for fall. That's when it's peak. Peak Massachusetts is fall. For sure. That's where all the tourists are, though. Yeah, the leaf peepers, <laughs> we call them. The leaf peepers. Leaf peepers, because they just come because, like, the foliage is so amazing that people actually will drive and, like, take trips just to look at the leaves changing color. But it's because it's so pretty, so you should you should definitely think about it. Being from out there, though, I feel like you have some insider information on where the best spots are. For, for leaf, that kind of for stuff? For leaf peepage. yeah. I think I probably would. My parents would definitely know some good stuff. But my favorite thing, I was actually just talking to my parents about this the other day, um, is the drive from our house in Carlisle up to Vermont, Ludlow, Vermont. It's up, I think, uh, I-89 or 91. And it's just like two and a half hours, three hours of just like the most amazing. Because you're going through like the Green Mountains in New Hampshire and then up through Vermont. It's like just the most amazing. Picturesque. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty incredible. What time of year do I have to go? End of September, October is probably the best. That's before peak season. Peak season. Before like they start to fall off and then it starts to snow. And let's chat a little bit about your summer as well. You oh, had yeah. a crazy okay. experience. Yeah, it was pretty incredible and not at all what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I had no plan. 
Um, basically the last like year and a half, I've just had no plan except that I was coming up here to play hockey. And then I didn't know what else I was doing after that. Um, so after the season, I knew I was kind of getting booted from Canada. So I was like, all right, I need to go either home or figure something else out. And my sister lives in California and I wasn't like I had a job lined up for the summer back in Boston. So I was like, why don't I just drive down? Like I'll stay for a couple weeks and then I'll just drive, drive back home and work all summer. Um, so I did that. It took me like three days to drive down there, which was beautiful and kind of scary. <laughs> a couple stayed in a couple sketchy Airbnbs and stuff like that. So I ended up staying with her in Santa Barbara, California for a couple weeks, just was like hanging out. Um, I picked up like some odd jobs. I was like babysitting. I was doing some private lessons at the rink, but still no plan was just like, yeah, I'll just, I'm going to head home in a couple weeks. And then I ended up getting a job at Patagonia, which is where my sister and her fiance both work. She's a designer and he's a product developer, material developer. So I ended up getting a job and it was like perfect. They're like, we just need someone for the summer. Like our, our, original like woman just had a baby and wants to be home with her kids all summer they're like yeah like we know you play hockey so just like whenever you have to leave in September like go ahead or August so it was like actually the most perfect thing that ever could have worked out I was like okay like I guess I'll just stay in Santa Barbara for the whole summer (laughs) that's awesome yeah it was awesome it was really really cool without that expectation of and and planning of oh I'm only here for x number of weeks exactly kind of open-ended for you yeah totally It was great. And I haven't lived with my sister. She's older than me by like seven years. Um, We haven't like actually lived together since before she was in high school, which is a long time ago because she was off skiing and everything. So how was that? um, It was great. I was waiting all summer. I was like, when are we going to have a fight? Like, when are we going to have a sister blow up? And we never did. Never came. Yeah. It was incredible. It was so much fun. And her fiance is the best. Like, it was, they took such good care of me too. And their friends are awesome. And Patagonia is like the coolest company ever to be able to work for them. And like, just learn from the people there was like the best thing. Did you get to do some sightseeing? Um, yeah, we did, um, a couple different trips. We, we went down to Baja, Mexico once. Um, like that's like a 10 hour road trip. It was crazy. And it was like 112 degrees and we were there, (laughs) we were there over like the summer solstice. So it was the longest days of the summer. And we were just like baking on the beach for three days. We like couldn't wait to get out of there by the time we were leaving. Um, But then in California, we did Big Sur. You ever been there? Love that place. It's like hands down the most beautiful place I've ever been. It's like a different world. And it's only like four hours away from Santa Barbara. But like the mountains are ridiculous. Like the water, you feel like you're in like, I don't even know. Like the water's so turquoise. It's freezing, but it's just like... I don't know. That's probably one of my favorite places on earth, actually. I've been there twice now with my sister, so. That's a little different than Carlisle, Massachusetts. Yeah. Where you're from. It's, yeah, it was such a different summer, such a different experience than anything I've ever done. So I'm so happy that I did it. And I'm so glad that it worked out the way it did, where I got to stay and I didn't have to worry about, like, going back. And I was working, so it wasn't like I was, like, worried about, like, saving money to come back up here or anything like that. So it was great. I did miss home and I miss my parents and it did feel weird like not going home for and training at home like not going back to BU and going to the gym and skating there and stuff but it was it was awesome. How did you replace that this summer then? Um, It was pretty hard at first the lucky thing was that there is a rink it's called Ice in Paradise which is very fitting I think it was only like 12 miles from my sister's place so that was pretty great they had like um 
like stick times every week. I got involved in one of their like just like beer league, men's league Thursday nights and stuff. Everyone I met there was super nice. It's pretty impossible to replace my situation back home um, just because I would work out at BU and then I would train at my old high school rink where I, I know that he, like the owner of my high school team owns the rink and I could go out whenever I wanted, have ice to myself. Like in Santa Barbara, I was paying 20 bucks for an hour and stuff like that, but um, worth it for a summer for sure. Let's rewind back and start your journey off back on the East Coast there. Okay. So you were born actually in Beverly, Massachusetts. Yep. And and then you grew up where? Um, kind of split. So I was born in Beverly, but we lived in Ipswich, Mass, on the North Shore by the beach. My parents lived there for like 15 years, I think. And then, so that's where me, my brother, and my sister grew up. And then in, I was going into sixth grade, we moved to Carlisle, Massachusetts, which is probably an hour from Ipswich, but it's like 40, 35 minutes west of Boston. So closer to the city. Um, it was closer to my dad's job and everything, way closer to where my brother and I played hockey and good schools and stuff, so kind of split. I say I grew up in Ipswich, but I was like 12, so I guess I grew up in both. Both your parents are professional skiers, right? Uh, yeah. yeah How did they not convert you to skiing? Um, we actually have talked about this before, and I don't know if I love the answer, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so they were both like total badasses and just like elite elite skiers and just did like the peak of skiing I can't even yeah they were incredible and then they didn't they didn't push any of us really into skiing my oldest sister Tasha um she got into skiing right away because she um when she was born they were living in New Hampshire so they were still around the sport a lot um but by the time my brother and I came around my brother Woody's um, four years older than me. Um, they just didn't really push us into anything. They said, um, one day, actually last winter, we had gone skiing as a family for the first time, the five of us in like maybe a decade. Um, it was been a really long time. It was over Christmas and we were just in like the lodge having beers and stuff. And we asked, Woody and I asked, we were like, why, like, why didn't we get into skiing? And I guess Woody actually, I didn't know this, but he raced for a little bit. Um, when he was younger, but then just picked hockey instead. But my dad like looked at us and he was like, skiing is too hard. And I was like, hmm, like, what does that mean? I was like, and I like got all like, like pissed and was like, hockey's hard. Like, what are you talking about? And my sister, my mom and my dad just kind of laughed. They're like, Dakota, like skiing is just really hard. It's, I think it's the individual sport thing. Like you're technically on a team, but it's, it's pretty individual. I mean, it's entirely individual, which I guess I can't relate to. I've never done an individual sport, but the three of them skiing was also pretty mean to them. Um, they had a lot of injuries, all three of them, lots of knee surgeries. I think between the three of them, they have like 25 or something absurd like oh my that. Gosh. So they definitely weren't like pushing us to get into skiing at all. So on family skiing trips, do they ever critique you about your style and your technique? Almost never. Critiquing okay, that's never. Good. That's good. But I, you're not on a mogul and your dad's like, no, <laughs> no. your knees fluid. Yeah. But it's kind of crazy. Cause it's like every time I've ever gone skiing, I've always been the worst one. 
because I'm skiing with like Olympians and like national champions and whatever, even my extended family, they're like all such good, such good skiers, all competitive skiers. So Woody and I are always just like, oh, the hockey players are coming skiing. Like, So I've always been like, I'm not that good. But every time my parents are, they're like really nice about it. They're like, no, like hockey actually transfers really well. So they make me feel good about it, but I don't know if I really believe them. <laughs> when did you first get into hockey then? Uh, super young. I was in skates at like two, two and a half. You're one yeah. of those kids. Yeah. Um, so my grandfather, my dad's dad, uh, owned a pro shop in Peabody, Mass, and ran like a men's league out of that rink and stuff that he played in and my dad played in. And so we were just always around the rink. And my brother, like I said, is four years older than me. So he got into it first. And by the time I was old enough to figure out that he was doing something really fun, I was like, I want to do that. Um, so I just kind of followed him and into it and then just we both kind of fell in love with it but the age gap was big enough that were you able to play on any teams with Woody no never we I think one thing we did was we did like a we went to the same like skills session like once a week I have some pretty funny photos from that actually um we were pretty young I was probably like six or seven and I think we would split up like the young guys like I would go down one end and he was down the other end, but my dad did a little bit of coaching too. So that was always really fun. Like the three of us would get to go together. But other than that, he was a lot older than me. So we didn't really get to overlap that much. So then you got right into your youth team Mm -hmm. around the age of six Mm -hmm. and played all the way through. Yeah. Um, Same, same group, same group. Yeah. Same coaches. Um, There was three of us on the team that were, like the we used to call ourselves like the originals because we were the only three that made it from the first year to the very last before high school. Me, Matt, and Eric. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was another thing that I kind of followed my brother and he started playing for this team called the Minutemen Flames. He's a 90, so he played for the 90 Minutemen Flames. And I was getting dragged to the rink anyway, so I started. I tried out for the the 94 Flames. And then just stu- like loved it, loved the group, loved the coaches, just loved everything about it. And I think it was more convenient for my parents to just bring us both on the same night. And yeah, just stuck with it, stuck with the team till I was in high school. And back then, did you still have a lot of options in terms of minor hockey? Um, back then, actually, I, I mean, you did, but only if you were playing boys. Mm-hmm. Like if I was playing girls hockey, I could have played for the Lady Flames, but... I didn't want to do that. Um, Like there were a lot of boys teams, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's, the sport has just gotten so much bigger now that like I'm, if you're raising a daughter now, she has tons of tons of opportunity. Um, And we obviously still want more, but um, yeah, back then it was just a little different. Like we were kind of crazy though, our our families, because we were in Ipswich at the time. And then um, the rink we played in, Woody and I played in, it was in Marlborough, Mass, which was like an hour and 20 minutes away. Like we could have definitely picked a team that was closer, but we just both loved our team so much that our parents were just like, all right, like we'll keep going. <laughs> what did you start body checking? Because you'd probably have to play that with the men's game as well, right? Yeah, definitely. I remember the year. Like I remember being like, oh, this is the year we get to hit. Like so excited. So I was probably like 11. When it came time to hit, you were fired up about it? Yeah, psyched. How about when you actually had to hit? When I actually had to hit, well, I, in games, amazing. But at that age, they're like kind of still trying to teach you, or the, as they should be, trying to teach you how to hit and like take a hit. So we would do hitting drills, like in practice. That I hated. Just because I was like, okay, like I'm the only girl. If I get knocked over, it's going to be bad. And if I hit someone really 
like really well everyone's gonna freak out so like it's gonna be like a big deal either way <laughs> so I remember being like not really liking those but in games it was awesome and I didn't know anything else really it wasn't like oh like girls don't do this like it was just part of it mm-hmm. so it was like a natural like you know growing up you're like oh two years we get to hit what did hockey look like for you as you entered high school then it was really crazy it was a really crazy change going from my last year of boys and being like what the hell do I do next basically mm-hmm. yeah um and because I had been in boys for so long I didn't know what the girls hockey landscape looked like even in Massachusetts it's like a different language totally and in Massachusetts prep schools are a really big thing for hockey players like a lot I think it's kind of veering away from that a little bit now but everyone went to prep school you were either going to Nobles or Middlesex or like Phillips Andover just always and I didn't really ever feel like I needed to go that route a because like my public high school was super good anyway um so I didn't feel like I need to but we thought about it and um it just ended up uh I ended up with the Shamrocks I honestly don't even know how I think my dad heard about it from someone it was I joined the team the very first year that it existed um and the JWHL there right Yeah, Yeah. so they're in the JWHL, but um, the JWHL had been around for a while, but the Shamrocks were a brand new team, Um, and they were out of Wilmington, Mass., which is like 25 minutes from where I live, and I remember going in and meeting the coaches and the the manager, the owner of the team in the rink, um, and being like, yeah, this is awesome. And it's, re- it's a really easy sell, actually, too, because, like, in high school, you're like, all right, like, if I really want to do this in college, like, I need to, like, be in a place where I'm going to get a lot better. And the JWHL, we played, like, 75 games a season. We would play huge games all over the country at different universities, um, which is just awesome for exposure. Like, we would play at North Dakota, University of Minnesota, Wisconsin. Like, we're all over the place. Those are big schools. Yeah, so it's, like, even the chance that a coach is going to walk into the rink and be like, oh, like, let let me watch this game for a second. Like, that's a really easy sell for a kid and, I think, a parent. How do you balance school with that, though, if you're on the road so much? It was pretty tough, yeah. Um, I was gone pretty much every single weekend from October to March. I missed a lot of school, (laughs) definitely, more than I probably should have. But I don't know, you just kind of have to make it work. And I think playing in the JWHL helped me kind of figure it out for college too because I had to do it when I was 14. Um, So when you're like training full-time at school, you're like, oh, I've done this already. Like, I'll be fine. It, it took me a while, though. It's definitely, like, a – definitely something that you have to get used to. My parents helped me a lot. Also, like, just, like, stand on me and stuff. But I was also pretty lucky with, like, good teachers who, like, were like, what you're doing is so cool. Like, just, like, figure it out when you can. Stuff like that. Yeah, they're so. just super supportive that way, Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I was pretty lucky that way. But in your second year, then you go try your hand at Naha. Right. North American Hockey Academy. Yep. Why did you decide to do that in your second year? instead of continuing on with the Shamrocks? That was a hard decision also, but my, so I love the Shamrocks to death and I am where I am today because I played for them. But my first year was just so bad. I don't think we, I actually don't think we won a game in the JWHL. Like we played some tournament games and won and stuff, but we were so bad, <laughs> like ridiculously bad. We had an awesome coach who I'm close with to this day. He's the best. Um, Jeff Pellegrini, he was a Northeastern coach for a little while. Um, so I really didn't want to leave him, but I knew I was like, I can't, 
just get pumped. I can't just be in the D zone for four years. I'm mm-hmm. never going to get better. Like I'm a forward. I can't just be playing defense. Blocking shots. Yeah, exactly. Like j- literally just like watching teams like skate around us like <sighs> in the D zone. I'm like, okay, I haven't touched the puck in 10 minutes. <laughs> Still like so fun, but just wasn't where I wanted to be um, hockey wise. Just Absolutely, wasn't going to yeah. get me to where I wanted to be. Um, and at the time, it still could be this way, but at the time, Naha was like top dog. They won the league like every year. They were just producing like Division One players left and right. Like they had like a couple of years in a row where every single person that graduated won Division One, which is pretty impressive. Like that's pretty awesome. And they just like pummeled us every time they played us. Um, but I remember like throughout the season, the coach being pretty nice to me after games and stuff and like I remember seeing him like talk to my dad a couple times and I was like hmm um so then I ended up going up there and my coach from the Shamrocks wasn't coming back anyway so I was like all right hey like this might be a good time to go so yeah that's kind of how I decided to go up there how was that second year for you then that one year at Naha um it was it was good I had to grow up a lot um it was the first time that I was away from home I was pretty homesick in the beginning I remember Um, and it's just a wild atmosphere up there. I don't know if you know anything about it. So it's up in Stowe, Vermont, which is just like this cute little mountain town. And it's run out of like our dorms were an old hotel. Um, so like old hotel, (laughs) like it was so fun because it was just like 40 of us girls, like basically just like running around all day. But like school, we went to school for like three hours a day or something. And then we'd just go to the rink and then go work out and then come home. Like I can't remember much homework that I did up there. And because I had to come back to my public school in March, um, you were supposed to like follow a curriculum. Like while you were away, I would get like syllabus from my teachers and give it to my teachers from at Naha. But I came home um, in March, 200 years behind in history. And my teacher was like, what the hell were you doing up there this whole time? Um, living the dream. Yeah. Living the dream. Basically. That was a big part of my decision kind of just because I was like, I don't, know how this is ever going to work because they didn't have a full year like uh program at that time and then hockey wise it was super different too so i went from the shamrocks who like didn't win a game to naha who we were like stacked we were so good top dogs um, like you said top right? dogs yeah. yeah and we had like some girls that were on the u8 under 18 national team for team usa and stuff and just like some of the best like amanda pelkey was there and just some ridiculous ridiculous hockey players just so good um, and so I got a lot better because I was practicing against them every single day. That's right. And, um, that was huge for me, but hockey wise, I wasn't developing otherwise. I think that back then, again, it might be different now, but they did really well because they recruited really well. And then, like I said, we got better cause we practiced against each other. Um, like, I don't know if I was coached a whole lot up there, um, on like an individual level. So that was pretty tough too. But yeah, it was a big change. So you're saying even in your individual skills, Mm -hmm. that didn't grow as much as you thought it would. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were super successful, won a lot of games. I think we played like, I think we played 95 games that season, I remember. And it was so much fun. My, my very best friends are from that year still to this day, but hockey wise, it just wasn't what I needed as an athlete, unfortunately. So then you make the decision to go back to Shamrock. Yeah. And to high school. Right. Public high school. Yep. So after that, um, there was a couple coaching changes with the Shamrocks. And then um, when I went back, 
what made me decide to go back was it was actually an old Naha coach that went, um, he was an assistant, Josh Hector is his name, went from Naha to the Shamrocks because he wanted to be a head coach somewhere. And um, I had worked with him a couple times in the summer, um, just like individual stuff. Um, he was good friends with my dad. He's close with our family still. And the fact that he was going to be the head coach, I was like, I know he's going to make me so much better. Because the just the way he coached me in the summer, I was like, I love working with this guy. Like, I just feel like I'm getting better and he knows what he's doing. Um, so I knew that I was going to get the development that I needed back at the Shamrocks. And at that point, I was like, that's kind of what I need to focus on. Like, I don't care if we're going to win games, like just as long as I'm going to get better. Because in high school, it's like, not a huge deal <laughs> you know it's like it's not like I'm playing for a national championship like I just needed like individual development and exposure which is both of the things that he got me so so throughout all this time with the Shamrocks and with Naha did you figure out the whole girls game and the lack of body checking and all that um yeah it's it was a weird change I remember like my first practice with the Shamrocks my freshman year being like, whoa, like this is girls hockey. It felt really slow to me. And again, that could have been because I was on a team that was lacking in talent. Um, But I was like, this feels slow and it feels just like, like just, yeah, like slow motion. I guess I don't know how to describe it because when you don't have to hit and when you're not expecting a hit, you have so much more time with the puck that you're just like, I would catch myself being like, all right, like, w- like, what am I supposed to do with it? And then I'd like take a breath and be like, okay, I can actually just take this myself and go. Um, it definitely took a while. And even still, I catch myself doing that. Like, I'm still like, okay, like I have an extra second. Like, I don't need to make that pass right away. So it was definitely a change. But yeah, I think it's one of those things you just. You just have as, more time with the puck. Yeah. That was the biggest difference. Yeah, definitely. That. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely a different style. The men's game and the girls game but I don't know I also didn't play boys like high enough level I guess to know a real difference like if I was playing boys in high school and then had a switch I'm sure that would have been even harder but the fact that I made the switch when I did I think helped a little bit too throughout your time at high school as well you had the opportunity to experience some U.S. national development camps mm-hmm. how did those opportunities come about for you um, it was actually just a tryout. So how those, it wasn't really an invitational thing. So they would do like district tryouts. Um, like there was like a Northeast tryout and then a Massachusetts tryout and like every, like all over the country they did that. They would do like a Northwest tryout, but because Massachusetts is such a hockey hotbed, there's so many good players. It was just Massachusetts. So I think we called it festival, um, summer festival. We would come and try out and there was like, I think like two days of like drills and then it was two games. And when I was younger, I think they picked like five forwards and then it got, uh, smaller and smaller. The group that they picked as you got older Um, just got way more selective and way more competitive. But yeah, so then if you make it out of that, then you get invited out to the actual development camp, which was the first year was in Rochester, and then the next two years was in St. Cloud, Minnesota. How did you feel your game improved over those three summers in those experiences and interacting with such high-level talent? Um, It was kind of a rough experience for me, actually. Um, I remember my first year, I was just like so nervous that I didn't play well. Um, And I remember being like, holy crap, like these girls are all on the U18 team. Like I have never been invited to the U18 camp. Like this is terrifying. Look at all these division one coaches. Like 
I think I had like the BC coach my first year and then the BU coach my second year and like the North Dakota coach. And it was just like all very intimidating, which I had definitely built up in my head also because it's supposed to be fun. Like they want you to come out and like have a really good time and learn a lot and like be able to interact with players that you wouldn't normally interact with. But it was just like a really scary thing for me. Um, I'm sure you're not the only one in that yeah, boat, though. Right. Yeah. No, everyone, I think, was feeling that way, unless you were, like, already in, in the program, like someone like Alex Carpenter or Haley Scarupa or something. But it was also a ton of fun. Um, yeah, it was hard weeks. We were on the ice, like, two or three times a day, I think. Then we would, like, work out and have, like, meetings and lectures and stuff like that. But um, it was pretty great. It was just really good to – play with different players I think that's really important and it's something that I didn't have really growing up because I was on the same team all the time um but coming to play with 22 totally different people from all over the place was really good it's and you're like forced a good to just figure it out right away yeah too. exactly and it's like you have practices the first like four days and then it gets into like a tournament style kind of thing so yeah you just you if you don't figure it out like you're just not gonna win then you'd always have like these scary meetings with your coaches on the way out and stuff. Like I remember like sitting with the like BC coach and just being like, this is so scary. (laughs) Just, I think I was like 15 or something, but it's all just like a very intimidating thing. And then like my second and third year was totally different third year. Like I made like the all-star game at the end of the week. And so it it gets way better. But like, I remember my first year just being like absolutely terrified. And it was just, based on you being there in the past that I you think so. gained that confidence back? Yeah, I think so. And just like knowing how things run there and stuff. and Maybe some familiarity too with some of the girls coming back. Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, like Skrupa and I were actually on the same team, I think two, maybe all three years and a couple other girls. And I knew some of the other girls that like that were from like New Hampshire and stuff with just being like local and playing against them, which was nice. But yeah, I just think... I also grew up a lot in those three years going from Shamrocks to Naha back to Shamrocks and stuff. And I was like, all right, like I can hack it. Like I'm a good player. That's why I'm here. And then once I kind of figured that out, I was like just playing way better. You talk about growing up. Mm -hmm. In what areas do you think you've developed over that stretch of time between J-Dub and then now USNDC? Um, I think my mental toughness was the biggest thing Um, and confidence wise. Not that I, because I came in my freshman year of high school, that first year of Shermax, I was like, listen, like, I've been playing with the boys, like, I'm going to be fine. It was a little bit of a learning curve going to the girls game and stuff, but I felt good. And then going up to Naha, like, my, so my freshman year at the Shamrocks, I was big fish, little pond. I was, like, the number one player, like, leading scorer, whatever. Captain. Um, yeah, uh, not captain my freshman year, but, but it was, like, I mean, our team, just, <laughs> I'm not even like trying to brag, but our team just wasn't that good. Yeah. So I was like, me and like, I think one other girl were like far and away the best players. And I knew that. And I was like, I'm a freshman. Like this maybe isn't how it should be, which is part of the reason why I went to Naha. And then Naha was like opposite, like big pond. Everyone was wicked good. I was still young. I was a sophomore and um, I wasn't like first line center anymore. Um, so having to go through that, I'm so glad that I did that young because you can't just go through life just being the best all the time. It's just like not how life works and it's not how you grow. But having to adjust to that and then having to get through a season in a really different role than I was. I wasn't the one being counted on for if we needed a goal with five minutes left in the game. So that is 
just the kind of adversity that I, that I went through up there, um, and having to really take my personal development really seriously, especially when you're in a role that you're not used to, um, or one where you might not be getting as much ice time. So that helped my mental toughness too. I also got hurt that year and had knee surgery. So I was out. It was a big injury then. Um, it wasn't like I, I, it was, I needed surgery. So it obviously wasn't insignificant, but I have a hard time saying that it was a bad knee injury in mm. my family because <laughs> they've had so many. Um, You're like desensitized to it all. Yeah, right? totally. I'm like, oh, it was just meniscus. It's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was brutal because I was like in and out of games before I figured out what the injury was. I was like, why? Like, was my knee just like collapsing? And then got surgery and then having to come back from that, train back, like get all your leg muscle back, which is just like the craziest thing. That was more adversity. And then the decision to leave Naha was one of the hardest that I ever had to make for sure. I mean, I made it with my parents and they were amazing through everything, but it was really hard. Like it, it was super upsetting. Like all my best friends were up there and it was so fun, but it was also just like, I just knew that it wasn't something that I could keep, keep doing if I wanted to like make it to the next level. So I think those two years and then transitioning back into a team, my junior year where we weren't that good again. Um, so another, another role switch and then having to now be the older one and having to lead a team like that made me grow up a lot too, I think. So coming out of high school, you must have felt pretty good in terms of continuing on your hockey career because you've had so much experience under your belt and your mm-hmm. resume was just flooded with top-notch experiences with you know your natural development camps and um, playing with the J-Dub and all that with Naha. When it came to looking for post-secondary schools, what was that adventure like for you? Um, crazy and stressful and really, really hard. (laughs) Um, the recruiting process is just so nuts. It's just really scary to every, I mean, my junior year is when it really started to ramp up, I think. Um, sophomore, junior, but sophomore, I was still young enough where like, I wasn't like I was trying to commit right away. So your junior year is not only the hardest year in school, like, um, academics wise, you have to do all your testing and all that crazy stuff. But also it's the year like every coach is looking at you. If you're listed as a junior on the roster, like they're looking at you that game. If you're not already committed, it starts like pretty slow. Like they just like send you like recruiting questionnaires and you get in the system and stuff. And then you finally slowly start to get emails and set up visits and phone calls and all that crazy stuff. But it was pretty hard to navigate for a while. And it got really, really stressful when, people around me started to commit to schools and I was like everyone's committing so early like there's going to be no spots left which is just not true (laughs) pressure's on though at that time right exactly so you think you're running out of time which is just not really accurate and I think it's I hear my little cousin just went through it too but I hear that it's getting worse like people are just committing when they're like super young and it just seems so crazy to me but yeah it was a stressful process for sure but obviously worked out perfectly for me in the end did you count how many offers or reaches schools came at you with? Um, I didn't. I have a folder somewhere at home, actually, of all like the physical letters that I ever got. Um, my mom keeps it. I don't know why. And then I have like a folder on my computer of all the old emails that I have from BU, like from the start to the finish, just because I was like, this is the school. Like, um, so I have those, but I don't. I don't remember the actual number. So when it came down to actually picking a school Mm -hmm. who was in the running 
Um, so my top two at the end, I was really trying to decide um, at the very end between Cornell and BU. Yeah, both red and white, but very different. <laughs> yeah, it was a really, really hard decision because I loved both of them. And I really liked both coaches throughout the whole recruiting process. In fact, Cornell was actually in the lead for the longest time. Cornell actually approached me pretty early. Um, and because they were so good and just, like, seemed so invested early on, I was like, these guys are awesome. Like, the coach would call me, like, every couple of weeks just, like, check in. Like, how was your weekend? How did you guys do this weekend? Um, I feel like the communication with them was just really great from the very beginning. Well, um, and it makes an impression then, right? Totally, Yeah. yeah. Um, cause it, they weren't like overly aggressive. Like we want you to commit right away. Not at all. Um, cause with Ivy's obviously you have to see if you can get in and all that crazy stuff. But I just felt really good with them. Like I just felt like our communication was really good and they were genuine and everything right from the very start. So I think they just, honestly, they were in the league cause they got in to talk to me before BU did. And I went on a visit and like that campus is just beautiful. Like so ridiculous. Talk about leaf peepers you could go up there too <laughs> um but yeah just like beautiful campus really liked the rink and like the facilities and stuff just felt like a really cool place and that was kind of like growing up that's the kind of place where I pictured myself going to school like green campus like trees everywhere people hanging out outside and then I just went and switched and went to the exact opposite <laughs> what was the turning point honestly I'm trying to remember. I remember the day I decided I like hadn't like decided for myself. I remember yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just being like, BU is it? And it came together pretty late. I think I was October-ish of um, my senior year. So I was a little bit late and I had been talking to Cornell and like loved it and stuff. And I, had, I think I had applied once or you, what you do, like, to see if you can get in before you can even try to commit, um, you do what's called, like, a likely letter process, and you send all your stuff in, and the coach will bring it to admissions, and they'll be able, they can tell the coach, like, she'll probably get in, or she probably won't get in, and so I did that for one of the schools, I think it was, like, the agriculture school, which I think they made, like, some of the hockey players apply to, because it was a little easier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I got, a, I got a likely yes, but something about it just made me pretty nervous. I don't have the best high school GPA or anything. Like my test scores, my test scores are actually okay, but my GPA was not good. And so I was just like kind of nervous about it. And then like, which was making me have some second thoughts. I'm trying to think what else it was, but I think it was more that BU just kind of came in at the end and was like, we really want you. Like, here's your offer. And I was like, this is like my home city. Like the coaches I've not that I heard any, I've heard nothing but great, co great things about the Cornell coaches also, but DeRocher at BU, he's a legend. Like he played at BU. He won a national championship with BU. He had been there for however many years and they were getting really, really good. Did they, you have conversations about how you would fit in on that team though? Um, not really. So DeRocher is funny. He's really, um, like politically correct or okay. I don't know if that's the right term. He's very like, um, diplomatic about yes. things like yeah. he does he'll never over promise ever so that was a little bit why BU is kind of in like the back of my mind because they were never aggressive they were never they're not aggressive recruiters um at all and so I kind of was like all right like Corn like Cornell is at least calling me like BU is like not even like I feel like they don't really care if I decide either way 
I, but I had already kind of decided in my head that day, I was like, I think BU is it, like my home city, like this great coaching staff. And I went on a visit and I really liked it and everything else. And I remember calling DeRocher and being like, hey, like, I want to come into the game tomorrow night. Like, do you guys have a second to talk after the game? Because I wanted to be like, all right, like, I'm committing to you guys. Because they had asked, like, they, like, I got the offer and everything. So it was, it was basically just waiting on me. Um, and he was like, or I think it was maybe, okay, so I think I had called DeRocher and I had said, hey, can I come to your game next week? I think it was just like a weeknight game. And, and I asked, like, if he had a second after the game to talk, basically letting him know, like, hey, I want to commit. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Like, um, like, don't worry about anything. Like, if you have a visit up at Cornell this weekend, like, go for it. And I hung up and I was like, what the heck? Like, he wants me to go visit Cornell? Like, does he not want me to, like, whatever? And then I remember telling my dad and he's like, what is going on? Like, we can't figure these guys out. But then, like, five minutes later, we got an email. Or I got an email from Coach who I think maybe realized that it was, like, interpreted a little bit wrong. He was like, by the way, like, can't wait to see you next week. Like, if you decide to become a Terrier, like, we'll all be thrilled. And I was like, okay, fine. And so, yeah, I went in the next week and I didn't even have to say anything. He just, like, he was like, so you want to be a Terrier? And I was like, yeah, I really do. And then we, like, shook hands and that was kind of it. (laughs) Throughout this whole recruiting process, how involved were your parents that's one of my favorite topics to, mm-hmm. to discuss with athletes, especially yeah. at that age, mm-hmm. because they're still so impressionable at that age. So what did those discussions look like with your parents and how much of an impact did they have in you ultimately choosing BU? Um, my parents were pretty amazing throughout the whole thing. Like they are just the most supportive people in my life, like by a long shot. And they were super involved, but only to help. Like, they were never saying, like, you should really go here. Like, think about this. They were, it was completely, completely up to me. It was always after a tour, like, because the parents would come on tours and stuff. So after a tour, they'd be like, all right, like, what do you think? Like, what did you think of this? What do you think of this? And it was never like, oh, but don't you just really like, um, like, the facilities at the other place better and stuff like that? Like, never really anything. Like, we talked about that. They're super candid with me about all that stuff, we would go through like the rosters and be like, okay, like these are the spots that are open the year you're going in. So they were very involved in things like that, but just to help. They were never persuasive. I think the one thing actually that I remember is um, I think my mom kind of wanted me to go to an Ivy (laughs) just because, just because, I mean, it obviously is like so an amazing education. Um, So I remember when I decided to go to BU, like to myself, I then like called my parents. I was like, I think it's BU. And my mom was like, don't you think you should just go visit Cornell one more time? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, that's that's the only thing that I can ever remember though of of her giving any slight indication of like what she wanted me to do. I was like, I know you want me to go to an Ivy, but BU is the one. And she was like, okay, okay. (laughs) And it worked out. She loved BU just as much, if not more than I did. So... (laughs) So what was your scholarship situation like heading into four years at BU? Um, that was actually one of the reasons why they weren't super aggressive recruiting me. Because um, I was kind of late, they were a little bit out of money. And I remember talking to Coach LaChapelle in the summer, and she was like, we, d- we honestly don't have the money right now that we would want to give you. Um, which was obviously a huge bummer, but at the same time, the other school I was looking at is Cornell. I'm not going to get a scholarship there because it just doesn't exist. But to me, like the fact that they addressed it and the fact that they were giving me as much as they had was a big deal for me. 
Um, so I entered on a partial. They paid for all my summer school and stuff too. So it ended up evening out to like a three for four, basically. So I think like my senior year was not paid for. But then I remember going into my senior summer. It was the end of the summer. We were coming down from like a 6 a.m. workout and our coach, um, DeRocher, was standing outside our equipment room and he was like, hey, Dakota, like, do you have a second? Um, so he pulled me into the equipment room and he was like, I think he, he doesn't beat around the bush. It was like immediate. He was like, so like, I know like your scholarship is like, you don't have anything this year, but we're going to give you a, a full year for the year. And I remember my jaw, I, my eyes were just like, immediate like just immediately started crying just because like it wasn't a big deal like I mean it was a huge deal but it wasn't a big deal like money wise like it wasn't like we were like super struggling with it or anything but just like the the validation that I felt I was like these like I feel so valued now and like just so appreciative that because they didn't have to do it it wasn't like I was complaining about it it wasn't anything like that but just the fact that they wanted to do that for me and my family was just like the most amazing thing yeah it was pretty awesome did you make a call back to your parents right away or so I sat on it all day because I knew I was going home that night for dinner and um I actually waited all night until we were just like the three of us sitting in the living room and I set my phone up like on my lap (laughs) and um I was videoed my dad so I was just sitting there and I was like so and they both like looked up at me they're like what I was like coach gave me a full scholarship today my dad just like loses his mind like I watch it and I like get emotional about it but um yeah it's pretty incredible he just goes what and I just start laughing I was like yeah he's like are you kidding I was like no and he like pops out of his chair he's like <laughs> like just starts <laughs> screaming and my mom is like are you kidding are you kidding are you kidding and yeah it's it was a pretty awesome moment to be able to tell them that but it's like what you said, it's more of what it symbolizes. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. The dollar value doesn't matter. Just the what it symbolized for me as an athlete and how far I had come. And just like, I don't know. It's pretty hard to put into words, actually. I have never really tried to, but it was just like the most amazing feeling. And I'm just like so grateful still for that and to be able to have been able to tell my parents that and stuff it was just like so cool how was your adjustment to ncaa hockey coming out of your time at shamrocks j-dub and at naha Mm -hmm. that's a pretty big jump and i was talking to your teammate kelly murray and she was talking about how she had wished she was a little bit more prepared heading into year one at college what was your experience like um second i second that (laughs) Um, Can't stress that but enough. I think I think most people would probably feel that way like last year having like Sophie Shirley and Kennedy Brown on our team being able to play pro hockey before they go to college like if I could have done that oh my god it would have been life-changing I think just because the jump from the JWHL to college is pretty big um, the JWHL was great competition but Every level you go up, the speed is just ridiculous. The speed of the game in college is crazy. Um, it's more physical, too. Like, the, the refs don't really let you play that much. But it's more physical. Girls who have been lifting intensely for three years, um, and you're just, like, a little freshman coming in trying to, like, clean 140 pounds. But, yeah, it took me a while. Um, I came in – it was kind of a similar situation, though, to um, – going from Shamrocks to Naha again. 
So I go from Shamrocks being like captain, leading scorer, whatever. We ended up like third the, my senior year. Going into this freshman role where you're, again, little fish, big pond. The team my freshman year was honestly like disgustingly good we were so good and so stacked we had Pooh, we had kahanchuk we had like isabel menard who was nasty um lou Mm -hmm. who still plays for the inferno we were just so so good and that alone was intimidating just like walking into that locker room and being like i'm supposed to like be on par with all these girls like this is crazy so it takes a while but i think the atmosphere and the culture at bu helps you kind of seamlessly integrate like everyone was just like so welcoming the coaching staff is incredible you're together all the time so you're not intim- after a week you're no longer intimidated by everyone so that stuff definitely helps but it, it took me like game wise it took me a while to be like okay like I can keep up like I'm fine but we were talking earlier about how when you first enter into a new environment that maybe you can go in two different directions you can either hang out with people in your same class mm-hmm. or you could potentially hang out with people that are a couple years older than you. Who did you seek out when you first got there? Was it just people that that you were entering in at the same time with? Or was it people like the Poulans and, and, and mm-hmm. Warren and all that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, like I told you before, our class, I think, was just really lucky. Um, we had seven of us. And we were all just really close, like, right away. Um, BU does a good job too. Like when you're an incoming freshman, you go to summer school, the semester, summer semester before. So we were together for seven weeks in, from July to August. And it's pretty much just the freshmen there and like a couple upperclassmen that stay. So we were just super close coming in, like coming back in September was like not even a thing We're like, we've done this before. Like we've, we've been on the ice together. We've been in the weight room together. Um, we've all gone to class together. We live together. So our class was really good about stuff like that, like coming in. We were together a ton. Um, But I'm trying to think, like, for older girls, Kahanchuk was super nice to me, and we we ended up pretty close. I think that year we did, like, a buddy system, like an underclassman with an upperclassman, and she, her, and I were buddies, so we would hang out a bunch. The class above us also we were pretty close with. That was only three people. Um, so smaller, yeah, Yeah, way, way smaller, but super fun girls. And they, they were really close with us too. Um, especially by the end of the year, just because you're both the underclassmen and you're kind of navigating that underclassmen role together still. Yeah. My freshman year, we didn't hang out with the seniors all that much. Uh, I don't know if it was because our class was so close or because their class was so close too that they we were just always together separately unless it was after like a game like that first year we were we were so good and we won so many games but we had a lot of fun like we had a lot of team like parties and events and stuff all together and we would just like look around and be like you guys like this is something really special and yeah, as you know, like that freshman year, that was when we went to the Frozen Four and the National Championship game and stuff. And I attribute a lot of that to that team chemistry, for sure. But even though you guys were able to experience the Frozen Four in your first year, there were some ups and downs, though, with that, wasn't there? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was the most amazing experience ever. Um, but I think because I did it as a freshman, I wasn't able to experience not getting there first. You know what I mean? The journey to getting to The journey to to it, yeah. Yeah, And because, uh, I don't know, we always say like you don't know how hard it is to get there until you can't. And because we came in and we were freshmen, we were like, oh, we're going to the Frozen Four. Like it was just like, 
oh, this was so easy. Like we're just freshmen and we made it because our team was so good and all that other stuff. But it was seriously like the coolest experience ever. But um, it does make a difference being a freshman and being so young and new and like naive kind of because you don't know how hard it really is to get there. Um, and that could potentially be your expectation moving forward. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Is like, that easy? Oh, okay. like oh, every year, especially there. as a freshman, when you might not have as big a role as you might in later years, you're like, oh, like I didn't even really do all that much. <laughs> like, and I'm still here. Yeah. So it becomes your expectation, which is good. Like you want to expect to be really good and to go really far, but it's so much harder. But the work that comes with it. Right. That yeah. was what was missing for you in your freshman year. Yeah. And you're going in your freshman year. You're not you're not expecting to go to the frozen four. So you're just like working as hard as you can and all that other stuff. And the team is working as hard as everyone can. And then you just end up at the frozen four. You're like, Oh, like all you have to do is work as hard as you can. Like not always. Sometimes it's still not enough. A lot of times it's still not enough. Only two teams can make it to the final game. That's not to say that every other team didn't work as their absolute hardest, but it's just how it works. Let's transition from your freshman year to your sophomore then. Okay. So in year two, you were talking about those expectations, how all of a mm-hmm. sudden you're like, oh yeah, we're going to go to the Frozen Four every year. But mentally, how were you able to progress between year one and year two? I think that, to be honest, my freshman year was not good for me individually. Like I wasn't playing all that well. I felt like pretty insignificant just as a player. I was like, I'm just freshman, like fourth line, whatever. Little fish, big pond. Um, Little fish, big pond. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And um, I'm like still bummed out about this because you only get four years in college, but mentally I just wasn't being strong enough. And like we talked about earlier, like that mental toughness that I thought that I had created from, or like strengthened for myself over high school with Naha and everything else, it kind of got back at me a little bit. So that freshman year, I was like, dang, like I thought I got over this. Um, And I didn't really. And for a lot of the season, I just felt like I wasn't playing my my kind of hockey so that was pretty rough for me but then coming back sophomore year I think it just like felt so much better not being a freshman to be honest and I think sophomore year is actually the best because you're not an upperclassman so you don't have a ton of responsibility but you're not a freshman so you're not like a dog at the bottom so I came back in sophomore year like pretty different and just like finally was like feeling like myself and like just doing a lot better and like mentally on the ice, everything. Um, Did that switch happen over the off season though, or right at the beginning of the second year? Um, I think it was probably the off season. Yeah. Just like, again, I think spending summers at school is a huge difference for, makes a huge difference for everybody. Right. Um, so being there over the summer, like being, being a sophomore, like being with our class and stuff too, but realizing like we were all kind of moving up and stuff. And I think I had a really good summer of training. Um, and felt was just feeling really good on the ice and about everything else. And I was mostly just happy to like be out of that season almost being like, that's not me. Now I can like finally get excited to come back and like play my kind of hockey. So that's, I think it was probably over the off season. So I just wanted to ask you a quick question about Marie Philippe play. Obviously one of the best to ever put on the red and white for Canada here. From a leadership standpoint though, what did she bring to the table and how did you see her leadership progress through your time at BU? Honestly, she like, Again, it's hard to put into words. She is hands down the best leader I've ever seen in my life, both on the ice, in the gym, like everything in the locker room. It's, it's really pretty remarkable how great of a teammate she is. Um, so my freshman year, she was a, 
saw a junior I guess and she was an assistant captain and she was like obviously our best player and everything else and was a really good leader but was a little quieter and then my sophomore year she was away centralized for Sochi um and then when she came back for um it was my junior year her like technically her fifth year she was a little bit more vocal which I noticed um it seemed like, I don't know if it was just like confidence coming back from a gold medal or if she was just like growing in her own way of leadership. Um, but she got a little bit more comfortable being vocal and stuff. Uh, I remember a couple times she'd like, like pregame speeches or in between periods and stuff. And she, she'd be like so amped up and like be like speaking so well and like so excited and like super motivating and then she would like mess up a word because of her, her english or her accent or whatever I was saying, and then the french came yeah out or and we would, just, we would all just be like we'd like look at her and she'd be like did i mess up again and then it would all start laughing and the way like she could do that was just like the way she could relate to every single athlete in the room was just remarkable um, it didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter if you were a third goalie that never dressed or if you were a freshman that was like on the first line or whoever. She related to every single one of us and, and wanted to, genuinely wanted to. There was, she's never said anything where I've been like, that was a little phony. Like she is 100% genuine 100% of the time. And she just cared so much about our team and about our coaches and about our success and individuals like success too. It's just like, I will never be able to say enough good things about her. I'm sure everyone that's played with her says the exact same thing, but yeah, she is truly, truly one of a kind. But it's cool. You were able to witness and experience that firsthand though. Yeah, totally. Not a lot of people do. No. And it was so great because she is such this like prominent figure and she's like such a role model, which she is. She's the best role model you could ever have. But getting to know her in like a college sense, like having her on a team and like getting to go out with her and all that stuff was just like such a fun experience. It's just because she's just so fun too. like she's very serious in the rink and takes everything very seriously. But like she also just is like a regular like she's an athlete. She has a good time. Like she's a great teammate. Good to have around and she'll have fun in a social. Yeah, exactly. I was going to ask you, was she kind of like Jonathan Taves where he's serious all the time? (laughs) Not really. Okay. Okay. Um, Pretty serious. But yeah, yeah. But no, when there's like, work to do, when there's business exactly. to be done. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, like at the rink, different story. But even on the ice, she would like have fun, like messing around. Like if she would like fall, she would like yell and stuff. Right. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it was never too serious where it was like not fun. Like she, like you can just tell hockey is the most fun thing in the world for her. And it's so cool. And for someone with so much responsibility too, mm-hmm. it's just cool to see that she has that level of fun still. Yeah. Totally. Because sometimes you can just get bogged down in that. Yeah, you can crack and it's it's so much pressure. I can't even imagine like even being a captain of a college team with no, like even if you're not on a national team is a lot of pressure. So to for her to have that and then have the pressure of national team stuff and being captains there and then knowing that you're like every little girl hockey player's role model, that's like, that's a lot of pressure, but she handles it so beautifully. And yeah, I don't know. She's was meant to be the person she is. She's just like so good at it. Did you want to talk a little bit about your final game then against BC? Um, yeah, sure. So before playoffs even started, I think we needed to win like our last two games in order to get like a higher seed. Um, like we just didn't set ourselves up well throughout the season. Um, so we finally got there. We played Northeastern in the semis, who was like 
our biggest like bc is our rival but northeastern's really our rival there's just like so much hatred between the two teams it's kind of nuts um but so we went out we won beat northeastern knocked them out and then um had bc in on the sunday um and bc was just stacked i think that was the year that they is the year they went undefeated they went like 40 and 1 because they lost in the national championship so they were just nasty season yeah i know seriously um yeah they just don't do well in big games i don't know bc not the patriots patriots are the best um but yeah so we were playing bc and they got out to like a pretty early lead like i think the second period we were losing like four to nothing or something like that we were just like not not in it and i remember turning around on the bench and i was like god like this is my senior year like this is such a bummer whatever like obviously super upset but like we still had half a game i was like i'm just gonna go play I remember looking down the bench and Becca Leslie, who plays for the Inferno now, who I live with, is just, she was a sophomore at the time, is just bawling, crying. And I look at her and I just start laughing because it's like so bizarre. I'm looking at all my classmates who are about to have their careers ended and we're all just still playing, not crying. And I look at Becca and she looks at me and she just starts profusely apologizing. She's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know why I'm crying. And I remember me and my uh classmate russo were just like what is going on like it was just the funniest thing our coach was like becca are you okay like and just the whole rest of the game she was just crying we talk about it all the time to this day i think it's the funniest thing in the world she kept it together though she kept it together but she eventually but she was just like so she was like i'm just so sad for you guys or something it was just like such a not what i expected to see like down the bench i was just like that was the last thing you so expected hard. to see. Yeah, especially yeah. I was like, You're, yeah. you have two years left. Like, what are you upset about? <laughs> but she was really close with our class. So, like, she was, I think, upset for us. But Just genuinely so upset that you guys were losing. Yeah, totally. And I think, yeah. like, because the score wasn't, like, it wasn't really close. Like, people were just like, like we didn't want our seniors to go out this way. Yeah, it's not a like good that. send-off. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But it was just so funny. Oh, man. It makes me laugh so hard still. <laughs> That's a good teammate, though. Yeah, yeah, she is. She's one of the best. So your senior year doesn't go as you had hoped it would, but obviously your collegiate career comes to an end regardless of the outcome. Mm-hmm. In your mind, you still wanted to keep playing, right? Yeah. And what did that look like for you then? Um, it actually changed a lot as I grew up. So growing up, there wasn't really a pro league, so I like didn't know. I was like, okay, college is it. And even like going in... Um, like my senior year of high school, my freshman year, I was like, like, what do you do afterwards? Like, is this really, like, is my four years really it? But by the time I was a sophomore, junior, senior, there were, the CWHL was pretty prominent and growing. And then I think my junior year, um, the NWHL started up. Um, but before that, there was always Europe. I knew a lot of players, like uh, some of my older friends from Naha had gone over to Europe to play for a year and then come back. So to be honest, after college, I always thought I would go to Europe. I was like, I'll just go to like Austria and play for a year and then I'll be done or maybe I'll stay or whatever. But I always kind of was like, yeah, I'm going to Europe. Were you chatting with your friends who had done that? And yep. just to hear how their experiences yeah. went? Oh my God. Yeah. And everyone that goes over there is like, this is the most amazing thing right. in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's for a really different reason. So I wanted to play hockey because I wanted to play hockey after school because I wanted to play good hockey after school. I didn't want to go and like go from this elite program where 
your whole life is, I mean, you have academics, obviously, but your whole life is hockey. It's just like the most amazing experience at, at school. And I didn't want to go from that to something that was less than, which is impossible because college is basically the peak of getting treated well because you have just a massive budget and everything else. And the hockey over in Europe, I think like there's obviously some exceptions that Sweden I think is really good league wise, but the people that I was talking to that were going to play over in Europe were like, the travel was amazing. Like, the food is so good and everything. And but that's it w- why they went over there. Exactly. Though. That's why they went. And so that's not really what I wanted yet because I took really big steps every year in school from freshman to sophomore to junior, senior um, in my game. So I was like, I'm just like, I'm just keep getting better. Like, I don't want to go play bad hockey and like end, end everything kind of. Um but I always thought Europe because it would be like a different life experience because I had been in Boston my whole life, like grew up in Massachusetts, went to school in Boston, whatever. And so I knew that I kind of wanted to do this like big change. And um, like I said, my parents were really competitive skiers. Um, they raced on the pro tour and that was over in Europe when they were like my age and were traveling around with like the U.S. team and everything. So they were all over the place in Europe and like Chile, Argentina, all these crazy places. And all their stories are just from like these weird little mountain towns in Austria and France and whatever. Um, so that was all I knew, all I had ever knew about like pro sports really and like being at the pinnacle of your pro sport. And I didn't tailor it to my sport because the most elite hockey isn't over in Austria for us right now. So when I kind of finally figured that out, I was like, I don't think I can go to Europe. Like maybe that's kind of my last year, like my victory lap or something. And so then I started more um, intensely looking at the NWHL and the CWHL. So there was a point where you were deciding between the NWHL and the CWHL. How was that journey for you in assessing those options? To be honest, I didn't have that many offers from the NWHL. I uh, had gone to like a free agent camp. Um, I went down there and I was kind of on the fence to begin with, just because I think from the beginning, the CWHL had way more allure to me um, than the NWHL. Um, Why is that? Mostly because... Just to be totally frank, I thought the talent was better in the CWHL. Um, I liked the idea of having more teams and more games. The idea of going from like a college schedule to going down to playing one game a weekend sounded horrible to me and still does. Like I, I feel like working that hard all week and then just having one game is so tough, especially in hockey when like one game can go either way all the time. Like when you have a game Saturday, Sunday, it's pretty different. And I thought the travel was a lot better and like more interesting in the CWHL also. The NWHL is great. Like they're all close together relatively. So that's good. And they're um, doing well, I guess, anyway. So that's fine. But ultimately, I just kind of knew that I wanted to go to the CWHL. Part of it also was because I wanted to go away from home. Um, I wanted to go out of Boston. And I was actually originally trying to go to Montreal, but couldn't really pull it together in time um, just to like get everything ready to go up there and stuff. So I was like, okay, like I'll play for Boston. I'll like get a real person job and be an adult. And um, back to Boston. Yeah, back to Boston. So <laughs> like, got an apartment with like three of my best friends. Got a job in marketing, finance marketing. That was another big growth year, also, because it made me realize um, even more so that I wanted change in my life. They were good to me and everything, and I had a lot of really great friends and still do on that team. Um, and I love going back to play them. 
Um, but I just knew that I needed to get out of Massachusetts and they were super understanding. Also, all my friends were like, yeah, like you've been here forever. Like you, you got to get out, go do something else. So I ended up calling my GM and then Hag got involved and then facilitated the trade, um, out to Calgary after the season. Um, so I kind of had all summer where I knew that I was leaving. Before we talk about your move to Calgary, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about that year in Boston. It wasn't the best of seasons that you've had from a winning standpoint. But for you, are you able to shed some light on how you were able to navigate through that entire season and through the different dynamics and uh, relationships on the team and maybe with your coach or whatever, despite not being as successful on the ice? Yeah, definitely. Um, It was a big change coming out of BU where we were so successful for so long. Um, And again, I think the game takes another step up from college to pros. Um, So being on a team that maybe we weren't doing as well, like wins losses wise was harder, especially when every other team was so good. But to be honest, it made me more thankful for my time at the Shamrocks because I had been through it already. I had been on teams that were really, really struggling and that didn't win a game. Like that first year, my freshman year, we didn't win a game in the JWHL. And I think that first year in Boston, um, with the blades, I don't think, I think we tied one game and then maybe won a game in a shootout. So it's, it's really hard mentally doing that, especially like, uh, it's funny because a lot of the girls, um, Titino played with me in Boston that first year also. So her and I both were together, which was great. Um, cause we could kind of talk to each other, talk, talk each other through it and stuff. But, um, a lot of the girls on the team like played at BC also. So they were really successful all four years of their college also. Um, so it helped that everyone was kind of not used to it. Um, so we were all kind of like, all right, like we got to find a way to like get through this, get through this season and like have fun. Um, that was one thing Boston like was great about, like everyone was always trying to have the most fun. Cause we knew like, we were like, all right, like we're going to go drive seven hours up to Montreal and like probably get pumped, but, um, we're going to have a great time and we're going to get, we get to play hockey together. Like this is so fun. Um, so that kind of stuff was really great. It was good cause I had other distractions also. I was starting my first like adult job and had my first apartment and had a bunch of other like life stuff going on at the same time. So I was trying to navigate an entirely new life basically it felt like so it wasn't like where I was at school where all I had to worry about was going to class and then going to practice um I had so much else going on when you're not doing well in hockey it's really hard to make it fun going to practice becomes really hard especially I think we were practicing pretty late I think we were practicing at like 9 30 at night in the middle of winter it's like we're just like again we're gonna fly out to Toronto and go lose seven to nothing like why am I going to practice for an hour and a half um so that that again it helped living with Titino and playing with her because we would just get each other up and go but you do kind of have to throw yourself into other things I like threw myself into my job and like my friends and everything else but it's also hard to do like when you want to be a professional athlete like you want most of your time to go to your sport think all of us do so when you feel like you can't do that because it's just gonna bum you out or like make you like get burnt out too early or something that's that's a hard thing to navigate as an athlete so let's jump over to your move to calgary earlier you had talked about how you couldn't quite get yourself ready to go for montreal Mm -hmm. 
was that different this time around heading out west yeah it was a totally different decision so um it was kind of like when i talked about how i thought i was going to end up in europe like it was partially for the life experience and then also for the hockey but i guess with calgary it was everything was going to be so entirely new and i feel like especially because i had that really hard year with boston um had to face a ton of adversity like within the sport that I loved so much I was just like so excited I was so excited to do something totally new and totally different um up until about like a week or so before and then I started getting really really nervous you're like this is I'm real. like dang like this is far away like <laughs> this is really real this is far away like I I'm living on my own. I had just like a little studio that I rented. And again, I had no plan. Like I didn't have a visa or anything. The league, like we couldn't get visas last year and I couldn't work. So I was just visiting technically. So that stuff was all kind of a headache, but ultimately the league like couldn't really do anything. And because Jackie was the only other American, she had like a, um, she had like a work visa and everything from her company. So me coming in with no job, no job offer was something totally new. So it was pretty scary. But yeah, so then like the lawyer we talked to was like, you can just go as a visitor, like you're allowed six months. I was like, okay, like that'll get me through the season at least. And like I'm coming in and out, so it should be totally fine. So that's basically what I did all season. I was just like, every time we would come back in, I'm like, I'd be like, yeah, like I'm playing hockey, but I'm leaving in a month to go home for Christmas or something. And they were always just kind of like, what? Maybe she's a secret agent. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing <laughs> here? They're like, you have yeah. no paperwork. I'm like, no, I swear. <laughs> no paper trail. Yeah. But a lot of traveling. But a lot of traveling. Yeah. Lots of in and outs. I'm sure like a million things would pop up on the screen when you scan my passport, but it worked out. <laughs> but then touching down in, in Calgary, that was a pretty significant moment for you though. Hey, it was. Yeah. Um, it was a really emotional day just all around because it was, I was leaving Boston. I remember like taking off and just like crying my eyes out into like my sweatshirt and my window seat, like watching Boston like shrink away in the background. But um, as soon as we were like in the air and I was okay, I was like, just got, again, got so excited. I was like, this is what I've been waiting to do for so long. Like this is the change that I've wanted. This is like the new experiences that I'm, dying to get and I'm going out to play really good hockey with really really good players and like that was just like the most exciting thing to me um yeah and touching down I was immediately terrified because I had to go through customs and explain that I was this professional hockey player but don't have paperwork and all that stuff but they were super they were like oh you play hockey like come on in <laughs> um so, so that was like great the movies. yeah <laughs> basically <laughs> um so that was all really great and then kind of a whirlwind like getting my bags getting my rental car and there was this moment where I was driving out of the airport like in it was pretty late I think um like it was totally dark out and I had the radio on and I can't remember what song it was it was like something like landslide or something like some Dixie Chicks song and I just remember I was singing it like at the top of my lungs and I just started crying like it was like the most it was just a really intense wave of emotion that like had to come out somehow and it just chose to come out in the form of tears I guess but it wasn't I was just like so excited and so happy and also scared it was just like everything coming out at once it's like that changes for real now yeah yeah I was like I'm really doing this but it was like 
it was also a moment of pride too. I was really just proud of myself for doing there, doing yeah. it, getting there and making the change. And like we talked about earlier, just that need to grow up yeah, and getting more mentally tough and getting more mentally mm-hmm. mature. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Huge. Yeah. And it was like, that was exactly it. It was like, I, I felt <laughs> I like, felt like I was growing up because I had made this hard decision. It would have been way easier to just stay in Boston and keep my job and keep playing, I guess. But I knew that I wanted to grow more as a person and also as a hockey player. But it was a lot to do with just growth as an individual. Mm-hmm. And I finally felt like I was taking, like I finally took the right step in the right direction. So what was that adjustment period for you? Like going to a different team now within the CWHL and also new coach to boot. Yeah. It was something that I hadn't really experienced in a really long time, probably since I guess maybe freshman year of college. But even then it was this, my home city. Like I knew everything that was going on, but yeah, to come into like a totally new city where I don't have any family or friends around really. And then this brand new team of which I'd know very little about. It was a very big contrast to what I had experienced the year before just all around because even with Boston I knew most of the girls on the team from either growing up with them or playing against them and stuff so that's right yeah um and even the coaches I knew he had been a coach in hockey so I'd played against them for like two or three years there was a lot of familiarity over there exactly yeah so coming out and just having everything be totally unfamiliar to me was pretty terrifying but also the inferno like the staff and every coaching staff and all the players last year did such a good job of like really making the like integration so so simple and really really easy just like felt like never any nothing was ever forced like the coaching staff was so open and honest and like really forged relationships with us right off the bat um which helped a ton like patch and i are are still close we had coffee the other day and he i think is like such a huge reason why everyone had such a great year last year i could tell he could always relate really good to all the players on the team totally yeah he just knew it's something about him i don't know he just knows how to like ask you the right questions to get you to talk about things like i don't know hockey wise i don't think anyone knows the game better than him i think like the system we played last year was like the most amazing thing all of us say like i think hands down he's probably like the best coach i've ever had um hockey wise and um just the way that you you just knew right from the very beginning, that first team meeting that we had, he just cared so much about us as people and like really wanted the team and the program to do well, but really, really wanted each individual to grow as a person and as an athlete at the same time. And that is something really, really special because he didn't have to be that way, you know, but he was and he wanted to be that way for everybody. So I think that was pretty cool. Final question for you coming out to Calgary now being a little bit more established being a little bit more comfortable in the new city new system new players where have you seen the most growth in yourself as we were talking about earlier that personal development side it's kind of interesting because this year I'm definitely more comfortable coming back just because I know I know the rink I know like most of my teammates I know the area whatever but it again, is a really big change with a big, like a big change in coaching staff. And we have a ton of new players. 
Um, so there is some stuff that is still a little bit unfamiliar that we're all of us are just trying to navigate, which happens every single year in a team. You have to re readjust to like your new, your new teammates, your, if you have a new coach, your new system of play and all that stuff. Um, but I think my adaptability has gotten a lot better just because going from, going from BU to the blades was big change. And then going from the blades to Calgary last year was a big change. So I've had two kind of big transitions right in a row. Um, so I think that that has helped me be more comfortable. Like I'm not thrown off anymore by change. Um, and it's something that I now get really excited about because the last time I went through it, it ended up amazing. Last year was the best hockey season of my life, like all around. And, um, so it's less scary to me now. And like, even when it is scary, it's like, okay, like this is part of it. Like this is the experience. So I think that that has helped a ton coming back this year. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for stopping by and sharing your story with us on Story Island here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Reading the Play. For more content, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and you can also download other episodes at sportcalgary.ca. And to stay up to date on the latest RTP news, including new episodes, make sure to follow on Instagram at Reading the Play and myself, Jeremy Lee at Legacy. I really hope there's a piece of Dakota's story that impacts, inspires, and ignites you to help you win your day. And as always, I'll catch you in the next episode.